0: Hey there, welcome to the EDH Rec Room, a place where we kind of kick back and have some casual discussions about the commander topics of the day. Naturally, I am joined by my co-host, Matt Morgan. How are you doing, bud?
1: I'm doing swell. I got no dad jokes. I I am all dadded out. I'm I'm more of an (laughs) uncle today.
0: (laughs) More of an uncle today. (laughs) All right, cool. Uh, I'll be your second cousin twice removed. Um, I'm I'm also joined by Dana. How are you doing? I, I am not dad joked
2: out, and I, I even have one that's oh, on no. topic here. <laughs> okay, um, why won't why won't
1: shrimp share their treasure? <laughs> Pray tell, they're they're shellfish. Hmm. The, the, uh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> that, I, that, that joke was pretty sophisticated. So sophisticated.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice oh joke. my god, nice joke. Uh, there is no escape. Nice <laughs> There is no escape. OK, so we we decided to to kick back, relax, have a chill chat about a, an interesting topic that kind of rose to prominence over the past week of new Capenna uh, previews and, and stuff about treasures. We want to talk about treasures in EDH and what they might propose for the future of EDH and how we feel about them and, and stuff like that, because there is a new card from the new Capenna set they a stash card it's like a six mana green artifact that lets all of your lands tap to create treasures that i think really kick-started this conversation and we just thought it was kind of interesting and we want to maybe vocalize some of our own thoughts about treasures in edh since they are a a fixture of nearly every set and especially apparently a focus in the new capenna set as well so yeah let's talk about it um (laughs) What do we think about treasures? Do we, as some have asserted, do we think that treasures are a mistake? Do we think that they are too much? How do we feel about these little pieces of gold that we can sacrifice for mana?
1: I mean, I don't think they're a mistake. Yeah, I, I don't think they are either. I'm, I'm with
2: Matt there. I don't think they they in the abstract are a mistake. Whether or not the current implementation is a mistake, I guess is maybe another question.
0: <laughs> uh, okay, you know what? That's um, that's fair. Can you elaborate? <laughs> um, I, I guess for
2: myself, there, there's there's two questions. I think I think is the amount of treasures we're getting in almost every set. Like it's it's now become basically an evergreen mechanic. Almost every set can give us treasures. I think the question is, is that a problem? And is giving treasures to green a problem? (laughs) Those are my those, I guess, are the two questions that pop up for me. And and the first one um, is probably the the, the one that's closely used to what you asked, Joey. So is the amount of treasures we're getting each and every set a problem? I think it is a little bit. I, th- I think Treasures, as they were implemented at Nixalon, were a lot of fun. I liked them quite a bit. And then when we would occasionally get them after that, it was really nice. It was like always exciting. I think at this point now, we've hit the the, the density of Treasures with every single set where I, I do think they're a little bit of an issue for a couple of reasons, um, primarily because I think they make... Playing three and four and five color decks almost to I don't know if easy is the right word, but like they reduce the downside, how about I phrase it that way? They make it so having access to everything is is much, much easier.
1: And I'm not sure if that's a positive for the game. Hmm. I think even too, part of the, the power nine, the some of the original cards in magic the the main thing that most of them centered around the the, the mox like mox pearl mox diamond or not mox diamond but mox diamond also applies um, but black lotus especially is giving people more resources in in messing with the mana system that they created was why they were so powerful and so just stapling all these little trinkets onto so many cards that mess with the mana system that's where I. Yes, in in small doses and carefully executed, like they were in Exelon, that's that's fine. But there, there there's kind of two questions that we're asking here too, though, right? Like it's treasures from a a gameplay and a game design point of view, which I I struggle with. But then, like you said, are giving treasures to green, which I think is <laughs> egregious, and I that's I know that's a very strong word. But I also feel very strongly about it. Yeah. Honestly, we might
0: actually have to like shift focus completely right now for the green part of the discussion because I think that takes up the most space in my brain right now as well. Right. Like when Old Gnawbone happened, I mm, Old Gnawbone, of course, being the dragon that creates treasures when you deal damage to your opponents. And I know that... It's apparently a very flavorful thing, but flavorfully, you can justify anything in a color, but that doesn't make it right for the game. And I learned that by listening to Magic Designers when they talked about Hornet, Queen, and Beast Within, which are color pie breaks, or Harmonize, which is color pie breaks. All
2: green cards, Joey. Those are all green cards you just mentioned. (laughs) Yes, and and a lot of flavor justification for really strong cards tends to be a green thing.
0: Yeah, I don't. The the color of nature feels like the exact wrong color to me to be making a lot of artifact tokens specifically to create artificial mana. It just something about that feels completely wrong. And I think that there is a significant reason that when treasures were first introduced in Ixalan, they were in the pirate colors, blue, black and red, because the feeling of artificial mana. It it ties in nicely because that is opposed to something like a mana dork that is embodying its its essence with the the mana ley lines that run through the world. But like that is the price that you pay when you stick to your color thematic being nature. (laughs) Like I, I, I get fully that green is the color of mana. But to me, the fact that green is the color of nature should take priority over that, and creating a lot of artifacts in green has always felt wrong. And it especially felt wrong with old Gnawbone. It feels wrong with this new stash card that uh, makes a bunch of extra treasures. Like, flavorfully, that new stash thing feels to me like it could have been a red card or a white card. And that's really the thing, isn't it? White's not getting treasures anymore.
1: Well, yeah. And, and so fun fact as, and, and new Capena previews are are going on right now as, as we're recording this. Uh, but currently mono green has more treasures or more treasure producing cards than mono white. <laughs> and that's counting treasure hunter, which is a card from 10th edition that doesn't have anything to do with treasures. <laughs> <laughs> well, and
0: Mark Rosewater specifically said that like, you know, a white has been removed from from making the treasure stuff. And it's actually like kind of more of a green thing now. And I'm like. This, which this, which is still so stupid. It's so it, stupid. It, <laughs> it doesn't feel right to me at all, and I'm refraining from using stronger language about it. But it it just doesn't make sense to me to have the color of nature use artificial stuff to supplant its strategy, even if it is the color of mana. I think it's a a, a weird a weird mistake to make.
1: It's it's unnatural for the natural color to make artificial stuff. I yeah. Yes. Well, we'll go back to
2: to Joey saying you shouldn't use flavor justification. I I do think there are some situations where it's logical to, like, say, yeah, for flavor reasons, we want to give this thing to this color if it needs the help. (laughs) Like, I I understand doing that, making that rationalization because you want to make the game better. The game was not made better by giving green access to treasure at all. So it doubly doesn't make sense. You've you've kind of tried to find a way to rationalize treasure and green that barely makes sense. But you didn't do it for the greater good. You did it for, I don't know, because you felt like green needs to always get all the toys is what it feels like, really. <laughs> so they, they've they done this weird rationalization and I don't – it didn't make anything – it didn't improve anything or like fill any void. It just made green the color that gets all the toys. It made green get another toy.
0: That, that's bizarre to me. And, and and the thing for me that I guess stands out, even possibly more egregious to my mind than Old nabon is actually the example of Tireless Provisioner. So Tireless Provisioner is that landfall elf scout. It's an uncommon from Modern Horizons that whenever you get a land, you can make a food or a treasure. And that stands in direct contrast to me to Lotus Cobra, the two mana, the rare, originally a mythic, where when a land enters, you get one mana of any color. And the fact that the treasure token is stapled on to that uncommon I mean it does it makes it a potentially better card than the Lotus Cobra because yeah. now it's mana that you can bank. And
1: It's adds. it's effectively better, yeah. Like Despite being no, uncommon. <laughs> you can change phases and the mana sticks around. Like that in itself makes Provisioner a better card. Yeah. Um it's it, what Dana said is green never had issues making mana. It was originally designed in Grixis colors to help Grixis colors keep up on the mana, and but keep it like a flavorful type of thing so that you're playing those colors and you're not too super hosed when it comes to mana production. And when we got it in call time, it was still largely Grixis colors. Every time that we've seen it, black has been at the center point, red too. But then we started getting it in green and green, green has never had problems. Like green is the only color that can get lands and and land ramp. And and just to be clear too, if they started giving cultivate effects in mono blue, I would have the same issue. I, I definitely agree with that. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it
0: it feels emotionally wrong to the game for me. And it, it feels weird that so many green things care about artifacts now as a result of this. Like green is one of the primary methods of creating a lot of artifact tokens. And, and that will never feel correct to me. But like, uh, so, so this is all the green tangent about the treasure thing. But this, I think, it, eludes one of the bigger questions about this effect that it's having on EDH. Because there are a lot of ways in which all of the cards that we're getting that create a lot of treasures have dramatically changed how EDH games go, I guess. Like they, they certainly have an impact on our games. I think Dockside Extortionist is the, the, the card that people have been waiting for us to talk about. Because even as, as far back as like a year and a half ago, I remember people saying that Dockside Extortionist should be banned because of how many treasures it can make. So people have a big reaction to cards that make a whole lot of treasures, and that is certainly one really big example of a, a, a one that uses this mechanic in a way that can really reshape a game out of nowhere.
1: But that's that's also a case of something is the best at what it does. Like there, there's always going to be something that is the best, and sure. Dioxide Extortionist is, is certainly a powerful, powerful card. But there are other things, Goldspan Dragon, I think. Uh, exploits treasure in a different way, doubling up how much mana any given treasure is able to make. Uh, I think that's also a, an extremely powerful card. Do I think Dockside is bannably good? I don't think so. Just because it's the best thing doesn't mean it, it's bannable.
2: Well, to, to briefly go back to Joey's point about, about things that have changed in the game with, with treasure tokens – The one thing that does jump out at me that I have experienced in the last year ish is that point in the game where you look over particularly at the blue player, but it's also happened to me as a blue player where in the past you're like, okay, if I force out this counter spell, the person doesn't have any blue mana left. They have one blue mana open. So if I force a counter, they don't have enough mana for a second counter multiple times in the last year or so. I've either found someone else in a position or found myself in the position where despite not having access to lands that would allow me to cast multiple counters, I've got three treasures sitting there. And I know I can do multiple things and not have to worry about my my mana allocation in terms of counter spells. And same thing, an opponent that I'm like, oh, I have no good way to burn those treasures out. And they're going to sit there now. They can tap out every turn casting their spells and they're going to have Three or four treasures sitting there readily available for one or two counterspells. And that's just where the game's going to be at now. So it has eliminated that one – that play around thing to a degree where you can force out things like counterspells or force the person to make choices. I think it's removed some of those aspects of the game. And that – I don't think the game's better for that.
1: No.
0: What concerns me are the ways that it impacts a lot of the cards that you're already able to play. So Revelin Riches, when that card first came out, which wins you the game on your upkeep if you control 10 or more treasures, that, when we first saw it, was like a, a fun minigame to try and play that, like, can you pull this off? You have to kill off a lot of your opponent's creatures in order to make this card really pull off. And now... Honestly, 10 treasures doesn't sound like a high bar at all to me. Certainly not as high as it used to be. Still, like, not an egregious card, but the type of thing that almost any deck can fuel without your opponents even having to play a single creature for the revel and riches to to create um, any tokens itself.
2: What's interesting about that, Joey, is for the first probably three or four years that card existed, I don't think there was one situation where I cast it with treasures already on board. (laughs) And in the last year or two, I would say more often than not, when I cast it, I do already have treasures in play. Right. There's just so many things that are just generally useful to make treasures that there are plenty of times when I will top deck that revel and be like, oh, I've already got four treasures. I can drop this at the opportune moment. And know I can make you know a handful on my um, on my upkeep and it's gonna come back, back around to me and I'm gonna win. That was never a thought process before.
1: Well, and it used to be a challenge to win with that card too. Like yeah. <laughs> my Tesa Karlov deck, that like, I used to joke that that was the only way that deck had ever won, and because that used to be like there was a, a bunch of hoops that I had to jump through. That there aren't the, there aren't hoops there anymore even with White not getting any other treasure cards ever.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, you know, uh, Smothering Tithe is, you know, Swet- the yeah, other yeah. card that I think a lot of folks are, are waiting for us to say. But, like, I, I, again, I super don't think that Revelin Riches is a problem. I just noticed that it, the bar to clear this has shifted a lot since treasures were first incepted in Ixalan. This card reads differently in 2022 than it did when it came out in, in its original set. That That is a thing worth noting. Marionette Master, which deals damage when uh, artifacts are, are destroyed or of the vault. Legitimately great win conditions these days, given how many artifact tokens we're constantly producing now, and that is certainly worth paying attention to. If you have cards that trigger when artifacts enter the battlefield... They've gotten a lot better, like, and, th- and that's one of the cool and beautiful things about EDH is that you know stuff does shift. We're in a turtle format, but you know stuff will certainly move around. But it's interesting to see which things have moved around because some of them might not always be in healthy ways.
1: Yeah, I, I agree that uh, when you're designing new things or bringing things back, uh, you have to look at it in a kind of a, a big picture type thing. And, and, and treasures feels like something that um, is easy. I don't want to say intellectually or like lazy because that's not that's that's very harsh. I don't mean it that way, but it it feels like it's an easy way to like, okay, well, we just need to like tweak a card, give them one treasure out of it. Like and the the game is going to get to a point eventually where it's so big and it's so hard to keep track of everything that I mean, in five years, we may not care about treasures because we're just so used to it. But (laughs) that's kind of a, a, a bad thing that I don't like looking forward to at the same time, though.
0: Yeah, I I certainly don't think that this is some, oh, the sky is falling situation. Not at all. But I do think the community is right in responding in the way that they do to what they notice is kind of an alarming trend. Uh, Like when we look at the evolution from Prying Blade to Brass's Bounty to Dockside Extortionist to nowadays Old Gnawbone um things do look alarming uh, over that trend of time that bootlegger stash card i don't like just because of its color not necessarily its power level but on power like that new spiteful repossession card that one strikes me as very breakable um that one damages your opponents for having more lands than you and then it gives you a boatload of treasures equal to the total damage that you dealt like That's very powerful with, like, damage doubling effects and by manipulating your own land counts. Like, that's a cool effect. That's a cool card. But it feels like a far cry from the days of Storm the Vault making you one or two treasure tokens here and there. You know, players look at the new cards and a lot of these do feel like they haven't necessarily been reigned in and playing too much with mana resources in that way does have precedent for breaking things like affinity was famously broken Uh, treachery and Palancron are bonkers because they untap your lands I, i think um cloud of fairies had to be banned in popper because of that effect because of untapping your lands so all these cards coming around and granting so much extra mana in the form of treasures sometimes providing more mana back than they cost to cast in the first place yeah, it looks scary when we, the community, see a lot of brazenness in treasure design these days. I get why we respond with heightened concern, because there's precedent for this type of thing to break formats in half. Heck, there's, there's that new uh, professional facebreaker card, which makes treasures when you hit people, but which s- can let you sacrifice a treasure to exile the top card of your library, and you can play that card this turn. That's not just a value piece. Like, it might have been, like, years ago, but nowadays, that new card, that's a win condition. Like, you could absolutely exile your entire deck with that effect, because that's just how much treasure we're making these days. That card is jaw-droppingly good. And I guess it just feels like one among many ways in which we detect how treasures have turned from cool trinkets to combo storm enablers.
1: Yeah, especially for commander where like it's not hard, but e- even then, like for sixty card formats, uh, prosperous innkeeper is one in a green for basically a soul sister. It's whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, you gain one life. It's just a one one. But when it enters the battlefield, you create a treasure token. In sixty card formats, casting this on turn two and then casting a four drop on turn three, while you you didn't take a turn off to ramp, you still were establishing your your battlefield. That is extremely pushed and extremely powerful and, and Prosperous Innkeeper is a four of in multiple 60 card formats because of that, because you're developing your, your board state, but also you're getting ready to do bigger things ahead of the curve without having to take a turn off. And that's just, it's it's really hard to just keep watching these mini rituals get stapled onto cards for commander's sake and then seeing the impact in 60 card formats too.
0: I think a card I also want to point to here is Holbreacher, which is, you know, banned, and for good reason. Uh, But that's a card that feels as though it had the, and also, make a treasure text, just kind of tacked onto it as a bonus, almost like an afterthought. Which turned that card from being a, you know, fun sucker that stops people from drawing cards to instead being a fun sucker that stops people from drawing cards that also is busted, Uh, treasure tokens, treasure token creation feels like it was a lot more careful at first inception, but has gotten way less careful, a a lot less judicious over time. I really like the way that you put it, Matt. These things feel like they have rituals tacked onto them. It feels like a bunch of these cards refund themselves in the way that Palancrons and Cloud of Fairies do, or else they come with full-on mana geysers attached to them. (laughs) I
2: I think that's definitely a good point. I I think... While I, I don't love old Bones, <laughs> I, I think in in a vacuum, the card isn't necessarily that big of an issue. I definitely think Dockside is a problem, but I think in a vacuum, Dockside isn't – I mean, it, it's maybe overtuned, but like it's not necessarily by itself an issue other than it being overtuned. It's the, just the sheer amount of different ways we have to make treasures It's the problem. I think once you start hitting a certain density with some of these strong mechanics, like we talked about how being able to make treasures all the time now affects, you know, counterspells or affects revel and riches, that's where we have issues. And the one I'm a little bit also concerned about, I think gold is also a wonderful mechanic. Mm. I, I love treasures when they first came out. I think gold is fantastic too. Um, they're starting to make gold on a lot of cards mm-hmm. and it's fine right now. But I have my concerns in three or four years maybe when we have a ton of goat cards and are we going to find ourselves in a position where you're just losing control of turns really, really regularly because there's so much stuff with goat stapled to it you know, maybe that's a little bit dramatic, but like I can see that situation where we find ourselves in a position where players now have to deal with the possibility that everyone's going to have two or three gold cards in their deck and it makes doing anything really difficult because
0: you've kind of lost a little bit of agency. I love this example. That actually I think is the perfect example to sum up my feelings about treasure stuff in EDH. I do not feel as though like the stuff is a Problem, quote unquote. I'm not like alarmed and concerned for the fate sure. of it. like that's not necessarily the the stance that any of us seem to be taking at all but it, it does feel very much like a thing that we were at one point extremely delighted by that then got, what's the word, overexposed? Yes. To the nth degree. Like it, exponent- it exploded. There are over a hundred cards that create treasure tokens. And there are some very easy to point to examples of places where it certainly went too far. And it went too far in ways that dramatically affect the decks that they're in and that start to feel like that staple style of card. And they do alter things in a way that we almost find ourselves resenting just a skosh. And uh, goad, I can absolutely see being a situation where a thing that we love kind of turns into a thing where we're a a little bit sick of it if it happens too often. And treasures do feel like they've started to teeter into slightly that space for a lot of players, which is interesting to take note of. Yeah, and goad, I I certainly hope not. I love goad. Karazikar is one of my favorite commanders right now, you know. But I can see if that if that uh, is done too much, it it can start to feel like it leaves a sour taste instead of an exciting taste.
1: Well, yeah. If everything's special, then nothing is special. Uh, It's it's. Like how they used to do full border or or full art basic lands. Then they started putting full art basic lands in everything, and and so what once was this thing that was special to Zendikar, like every every other plane gets it now. So uh, full arts, the, it became so popular it's not even special anymore.
0: I'm, I'm not, I like full, I like all the full arts. That 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 is actually a a difference I, I have with you guys. I think like. To me, it's not even a concern about, like, it doesn't become special anymore. To me, my concern is more, it becomes irritating. Sure. Instead of, like, if it's a little bit more mundane, that is a a different sin than it becomes uh, resentful to us.
2: I I think, yeah, I I get what you're both saying. I do do agree with Matt. I, I like the amount of basic, I guess I agree with Joey. I like the amount of, like, weird full art or alt art basics. But Matt's also right, they're no longer special. Like once upon a time when you saw those in a deck, you're like, oh, wow, that's super cool. And nowadays you just like, oh, yeah, I've got those too. (laughs) And like, you know, like there's a gazillion variants on it. So it becomes not special, which
0: isn't necessarily a problem, but it has changed things. Well, and so here, I guess, like uh, taking things in a constructive direction, are there things that you guys feel you are doing in your decks these days to respond to the fact of this meta evolving? Because I feel like I am like I've already mentioned several times on the on the uh, the main show that I have put Viridian Revel into more of my decks Mm -hmm. because that draws you cards whenever artifacts are destroyed uh, or or put into the graveyard from your opponents and treasure tokens technically qualify. The tokens hit the graveyard immediately uh, vanish, but that is an artifact technically hitting the graveyard. So Viridian Revel would draw me a lot of cards if treasures are going to be such a mainstay. I've been using calling Ritual in my decks that can play it because they are a way to force everyone to get rid of their treasures or also get a bunch of mana when I blow them up because it blows up a bunch of really tiny CMC stuff. So I'm wondering to you guys, is this a thing that you've felt the need to become a lot more aware of in your decks? Or do you think you're not quite at that stage? How are you uh, embracing the new reality? Because regardless of how we feel about it, it's certainly the fact.
1: I mean, I also have bought a place at a Viridian Rebels, just bracing myself for the inevitability that, that felt like it was to come. <laughs> um, I know I've seen people talk about Mag- Magnetic Mine. yeah, uh, Which is a four mana for an artifact from Mirrodin Besieged. Um, whenever another artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, it deals two damage to that artifact's controller. That's perfectly serviceable at this point.
2: Yeah, it's it's something that I have made some adjustments to Um, But they tend to be adjustments that – like using the Viridian Revel, for example, that are adjustments that are useful to help my game state advance. So, like, I gain advantage of someone else using treasures. The problem is those things don't do anything about the fact that treasures are super powerful for someone else to have access to. (laughs) So, like, I guess I'm I'm running things that piggyback off the advantage – Treasures provide my opponents, but that doesn't change the fact that (laughs) treasure provide advantage to my opponents. It doesn't do me any good with the fact that they are going to eternally have multiple counterspell mana available, for example, Um, which I think is the bigger problem.
0: That's a very, very good point, Dana. I, I think I challenged the stats on the card Leon and Elder in a way past episode. And that's a 1-1 uh, that gives you life whenever artifacts enter the battlefield. Because I was like, you know, with so many treasures in the format these days, this could be an amazing life gain boost. I, I still think that card is very underplayed. But that doesn't, that doesn't that card doesn't stop opponents from pulling far ahead with all of those artifacts, with all of those treasures. Even though you do get a bonus, they are still going off. Or, and even if I try to punish opponents with a card like Ancient Runes, which deals damage to everyone on their upkeep equal to the number of artifacts that they control, well, that could theoretically punish treasures, but it doesn't necessarily stop someone from going off on a single turn by using tons of treasures the very same turn that they got all of those treasures, treating them like a huge ritual. But yeah, I think the thing we all have to acknowledge in Commander here now is that this is a new reality that we all do have to get used to. And I am personally really beginning to wonder if, like graveyard hate, treasure hate is a thing that we need to be more cognizant about putting into our decks more deliberately. Like, there are certainly times that a magnetic mine won't do anything all game. But there are also times where a bajuka bog doesn't necessarily exile anything relevant from a necromancer's graveyard, but you still want the bajuka bog. You know, the magnetic mind, there are totally times that it could save you from someone going off with a huge dockside extortionist flicker situation or old gnawbone situation. I know I've personally been looking more at um, Patron of the Nozumi, which hurts opponents when their permanents hit the graveyard, and treasures technically hit the graveyard and then fizzle away, disappear, but that could be a really fun deterrent that isn't necessarily a dead card. Or uh, Matt, I know you've been playing more Manglehorn in your decks, Mm -hmm. which makes artifacts enter the battlefield tapped, and that's exactly the kind of thing that could give you extra time against an enemy player who just made a bunch of treasures, and that'll help you find a way to respond to them before they get out of control. and. Those types of things make sense to me as ways to adjust to what is a very big new reality now.
2: And, and maybe we also need Watsi to help with us a little bit and give us something on a land, on a utility land, you know, that that also helps out with with those treasures. So you also don't feel like you need to devote multiple slots in your deck to combat it. Maybe you need the the treasure anti treasure equivalent of a scavenger grounds or something. Like maybe we need that kind of card. Mm. Yeah,
0: I'd be down with that. Or, you know, I'd also honestly, like, (laughs) I I would love for green to stop getting treasures at all. Um, Sure. Yes. yes.
1: That's the easy way out. Okay, so we've solved the problem.
0: No. There we go. It absolutely has. not it's a separate issue. Watson's off giving everything to green. It's the color of nature. Why does it get artificial mana? Uh, Whatever. Um, Anyway, it's interesting stuff. Uh, I I am looking forward to, hopefully, those solutions that we get. But we will find our own solutions. EDH players are, are really scrappy. It's nice to hear that we don't think that they're like a mistake. I do not think this is a, a sky is falling mentality at all necessarily. But these are things that uh, we certainly have to pay a lot more attention to. And, and there's something fun. And I want to keep treating them like there's something fun. But I think that they will be the most fun when I uh, draw a bunch of cards off of my Viridian Revels when Matt tries to make a lot of treasures. I think that's my
1: solution here. I, I'm, I'm the one also playing Viridian Revel. It's Dana you got to worry about.
0: <laughs> Dana, we are we're joining forces against you because, man, you're just such a treasure. So we just love it.
2: I don't like join forces as a mechanic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Should we close on that joke? Is that what we're closing (laughs) on? Join forces, a reference to a mechanic from what was it? Commander 2013?
2: (laughs) Yes. uh, I mean, it's on brand. (laughs) Like I said, you're a treasure.